Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us. It's Great Wide World brought together by the internet. Last three guys to do a podcast are back. Our technical difficulties from last week have been solved. So I'm John Morgo. We've got Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown on the line. We're going to be talking everything going on in college football week one, prep high school football week three in advance of the two main games coming up a little bit later in terms of the college football week one schedule of course that's florida state and louisiana state going on tonight and then tomorrow night you got clemson and georgia tech from mercedes-benz wrapping up the official kickoff of the college bowl college football season and of course lots of stuff to talk about in terms of the game of college football especially the introduction or the announcement that we will be having a big playoff a 12-team playoff possibly could be coming in the next few years maybe as soon as 2024 depending on if the details get worked out i've got some thoughts on that i know leon and daniel do as well but we're going to turn it over to daniel to start off with this he is chomping at the bit to talk about his florida state seminoles they had no problem with the dukes of duquesne last week but now they have a slightly bigger foe in the terms of louisiana state that game in new orleans so it's going to be in a very hostile environment as opposed to Doak Walker Stadium. So, Daniel, what do you, you know, Florida State handled the business with Duquesne a little, very easily last week, but, man, LSU is a different opponent completely whatsoever. How do you think the Seminoles are going to stack up? I don't know if they're going to win or not. Uh, but when you look at the difference, and what and how different this team looks. For years they look lost. Um, they look undisciplined. They just look like just was out there to just play because they were Florida State and didn't understand what it meant to play Florida State football. You, you play tough. You play super hard, and personal fouls and all of that stuff. And, and it seemed like we had lost sight of what we were as a football program. And tell you, for what I saw last week from that team, I did the same. Was the Jacksonville State last year? Then aren't we playing close games with these teams between FCS opponents? Like that's that's not field of state football. We we usually typically blow those teams. Just to see the turn of the tide intended, but just to see that, thought that that was impressive as well. They're coming down here. Brian Kelly is the new head coach, so therefore there's a new culture, and they're trying to get back to where they were a few years back with in the borough days, right? So they're trying to get back to that, and I wouldn't put anything past them. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like. like earlier today, if you, I don't know if you guys are watching the Jackson State all over uh, FAMU right now. So uh, it, it's, it's more so, I think it's going to be a rough and tough game. It's simply because Florida State has three running backs that they can go to at any given time, man. And I saw them, and I thought that they were impressive. If they need practice, is one of their more uh, underrated quarterbacks, you will see. If you see them, those three running backs in the back, 
making those RPOs and you making and you putting the defense on your heels all night. I, I think it could be a long like long night for LSU's defense. I think that it'll be close. I, I LSU should be the favorite in this, but I think Florida State can pull it out. Okay. Okay. Well, you're talking about Florida State kind of getting back to what they once were. We've had a couple of, we have a couple of teams that you could put in that category. Uh, Miami, mm-hmm. Miami, Florida. Yeah. I think Nebraska's the poster child of it. And especially after a couple of lackluster outings against Northwestern mm-hmm. in Ireland, and especially last week or yesterday against North Dakota State, a team that they won, they beat, but they had problems with. And it's just a matter of trying to get back. Is it is it trying to get back to your identity, or is it more back of trying to get back to your I want uh, place you were, and it doesn't really matter how you get there. I mean, it, you could be a, you could be a good you could be a good team, but still yeah. be different than from what you were when you were a good team. If you know what I'm saying. Right. So, so is yeah, that I do. Is, is it a matter of of, of, of one or the other? Yeah, it it is, but it's it, it's working differently um, with with Nebraska and Florida State. Florida State for the last four or five years just looked like they just don't care. Yes. Right. Nebraska with Scott Frost, who who's on the hot seat, and and here's the number that just mind boggles me about this and what makes it fair but unfair for him being on the hot seat. The number is six and twenty-one. He is six and twenty-one since he took over. Yeah. He is six and twenty-one in games decided by one score. Okay. He just he just can't finish games, and we have to stick on to this. He just, they just can't finish games, and when you have that, when your team is in the game, sometimes it's coaching, other times it's the players. It's the players that that, that, make, that sometimes you look at them and you're like, wow, why are you making that decision, right? Yeah. So with this, it's always been falling the head coach. Now, in terms of the Northwestern game, that was all on uh, that was all on Scott Frost. Because and I pinpoint to one play, to one thing that happened. You're up twenty-eight to seventeen, and you decide to go on an onside kick. Okay. Did not understand why Nebraska would choose the onside kick in the third quarter, and you're up twenty-eight seventeen. Why? You lose the game, and it turned the momentum. And and you know, you and I talked about momentum. We've been talking about momentum all weekend because oh yes, we've been busy tasting Reinhardt, right? Right. So we'll talk about it, that later. Right. And so it's it's more so on that. With Mike Norvell, Mike Norvell right now is trying to turn the corner. He's saying, listen, I don't want any guys who think that just because they garnished this, this, this the, the they garnished the garnet and gold. Just because you do that and you think that wins are just supposed to automatically come to you. No, that's not how it works. Ask Clemson. Ask Clemson. Clemson, Clemson for whatever reason, just couldn't, they couldn't play offense, but they relied on the defense. And they had a, a season where they only won, what, nine or ten games. It's not Clemson football. Now, do we think Clemson is going to be a better football team this year? It, we don't know. We don't know yet. They have to solve their offensive roles. But their question is going to come on the defensive side with Brent Venable going to Oklahoma. So that's going to be that question there. In terms of Florida State and Nebraska, 
two different teams, two different identities. Nebraska just can't close games. Right. And Florida State, they just believe that the game is supposed to come for them. They have to get back to, to smash mouth. I'm scared of Florida State kind of mentality. Yeah, I don't think you go to Boat Campbell Stadium, you got to do it. Yeah, I don't think anybody's scared of Florida State right now. Yeah. Right. Florida, Florida State and Nebraska are likened to the Giza Pyramids. Yeah, I'm just gonna, and Nebraska's my team, Florida State's your team, but, you know, at, at one, you know the, it's like the Pyramids of Giza, you know. On the you, you you look at them on the top, you know they're just like run down relics, you know weather torn, like both programs, like both programs. But if you go inside and you go deep down underground into the history, you see all kind of rich traditions and things of that nature. But you got to go way down there in the history, and that's how it is with Nebraska. At one point in time, Nebraska was the face of the orange growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Florida State and Nebraska were like the Russo. I mean, they had all the recruits. At one point in time, Florida State, Miami, you know, they were, they were like, I mean, how many wide receivers and how many Hall of Famers have they produced during the late 80s and 90s between those two schools, about Miami and Florida State? You know, and, and with Nebraska, I mean, they were like the big, like the, the, like the big 12, they said Tom Osborne. Nowadays, it's just like, they, they're, not, they're not able to land those five-star recruits like they used to. That's what's going on. This is before the era of Alabama. It was, it was like, they're like the evil empire now, right, right about the minute. They're running stuff. You know, Alabama, though they lost the, 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 in, the, the, the championship last year, they're still ranked number one this year. Yes. You know, so it's like, you know, we, as Nebraska and Florida State, they got to start landing those recruits. And yeah. right now, until they show some type of, you know, they got to show huge progress. Like you said, 6 to 10, and that, that's Scott Foster three months within the next year at the most two is going to be looking for another job. More than likely in community college. Especially, as you said, doing an onside kick in the third quarter. That's a high school. That, that's not going to fly on the, on the collegiate level. Especially with a big money program like Nebraska, with that's such rich in tradition, it's embarrassing. You know, so that's my take on that, guys. No, I think you're absolutely right on that, Leon. You you hit that hit that on the head. You know, we Robinson said that college football left Florida State and Nebraska behind. They got to find some way to innovate, some way to come back, some way to regain uh, their national prominence. It looks like Florida State is on the road to doing that. And maybe, just maybe, it's it seems like Nebraska is still, still kind of stuck in the past, still kind of stuck in the old Tom Osborne uh, mindset. John, Nebraska has to make a move like Jackson State did. Yes. If they want to land those recruits like Jackson State did, they got to get like a very popular NFL player mm-hmm. that, the, that, that, that the kids will gravitate towards. They have to be able to do it because right now they're operating on an outdated program. Right. It's outdated. I mean, literally, Nebraska's program is outdated. Their their methods of going about doing things have, are severely outdated. I mean, I can I think the last good quarterback that we had was like ten years ago, Tito Martinez. Mm-hmm. Well, Tito Martinez was, was like, and he and that was like we're talking that was like two thousand nine. Like last good quarterback we had, last summer decent quarterback we had. 
you know, so it's got to be, we, we got to, um, I hate that, I hate the rag on my, um, on, on my team. I just, I'm really a fan. I want us to do better. Okay, I, I, I do want us to do better. I'm, I'm not just, just trying to bury Nebraska right there. I want us to do better. I want the Cornhuskers to, to, to reincarnate into greatness. But it's my suggestion, be a little nice for listening, that you have to get a very popular retired NFL player with a high football IQ. Uh-huh. You gotta do it. You gotta do something. You gotta do something. Right. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Because I think the worst thing for Nebraska, honestly, is when they moved into the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they moved, they, they, they instantly became an also ran in their own conference. So, yeah, I, I believe that, too. Um, and it's funny because um, there was one person that is giving Nebraska a shot to play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. I'm not going to mention who it is, but, you know, it, I saw it on a, on, on the ESPN, on a very popular ESPN show. Okay. And he's giving Nebraska a shot. And, and you know, when he says it, actually I'm going to say what it is. It's Kirk Herbstreit. I mean, Herbstreit, who, who knows the game, who, who I think is, is the best color commentator in college football right now. He, he thinks it's Nebraska. And when he, when he was saying what he was saying about him, I said, well, why not? Because I think the Big Ten West, believe it or not, is wide open. And I think that if Nebraska, and it's like Leon mentioned, if they can turn that corner, right? If they can turn that corner, I think that they could get something done, especially in that division. And I think that alone would save Scott Foster's job at least. And, and mind you, Scott Foster, and Leon, you mentioned that they need to, they need to get somebody who who's played in the NFL and has been a high acknowledgement. Now, I don't know if Scott Frost played in the NFL, but he did. Nebraska is his alma mater. Yeah. So he has that and, connection with the program already, but so, he's got he's right. to get winning. And he's got to get the winning, and, it, and it's going to hurt the alumni, the boosters, whoever. The athletic director. It's, it's going to hurt them and the fan base. It, it's really going to hurt if he can't turn this thing around. And it's going to hurt him, I know you know, you know who could turn that. You, you know what name can turn that that on Nebraska around that just uh-huh. brings respect, in my opinion. Uh-huh. He just recently retired from the NFL. He's a very popular quarterback for a rival team in New York, Daniel. You know, you know, a professional. You hate his guts because he, he played for your biggest rival. But he just recently retired. He's going to the he's going to the Hall of Fame. I think they're going to put him on TV. But if Nebraska were to cut Drew Brees a check. Hmm. Yeah. Drew Brees would go, he'd go, he'd go, to, Flo- he'd go to Purdue more than he, he'd go to Nebraska. I'm just, the, the right enough, I mean, it's not, I mean, if he's a businessman, they, they cause, they cause um, Drew Brees to make a business decision, business decision. Bring him over here. Something popular. Mm-hmm. Someone who, who wins respect. Don't you think that Drew Brees would land some good recruits? No, that's Drew Brees. That's Drew Brees. Right. You got to try something. Is, is he unproven as a coach? Yeah. But Deion Sanders was too. And look, he's doing great things in Jackson State. 
That's right. I mean, that, he, that he was great doing point. great things at Jackson State even before they even played it down. I mean, when, yeah. he, when, he, when, right. he, when he posts Travis Hunter uh, from Florida State, and I know that's still a, a sore spot with Daniel, and I apologize for that. But, uh, no, you know, that was, it's not. It's not a sore spot. If it was any other place that he could have went to, it would have been Jackson State. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I really, really believe that. And, and, and it's because I know what Prime is doing. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what he's doing. And he, he is doing a great job of it. Imagine that you see what Coach Sanders is doing in Jackson State. If you bring someone, a, a recognizable face, someone who has the respect and the reputation to make things happen, if they were to bring, and I, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not putting, I, I don't want to become emotionally invested in a fantasy, but that's what Nebraska needs to do. They need to get someone, uh, uh, you got to try something. Right. Hiring, <laughs> a Scott, you're in the big team now. You know, it, 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 everything is, I mean, it's safe to say that being in the big team puts you, it, it kind of magnifies your success and your failures. Especially losing to Northwestern half a continent away. Man, that, that is wrong. That's wrong. They, they got to try something. And they you know, so, I mean, bring Troy Aitman. I mean, somebody. I mean. <laughs> well, you got to make sure these guys can coach. I mean, Prime, I, Prime had to prove that he can coach. And I think he's done that. But for I just don't bring in somebody for the sake of bringing in somebody. You need to bring in somebody who who knows that they can coach, who is serious about coaching. And Drew Brees, I think he's serious about having fun and doing TV. So you got to have someone who's got to be able, who, who cares enough, and he's got to know that he can coach, just not coast on his name. Again, you look at the, you look at Nebraska. They have Georgia Southern next week. Uh, Georgia Southern has to be – they have to really beat up on Georgia Southern. But Georgia Southern took care of business this week in their opener against Morgan State, 58-7, to won that game. Got the Chad Helton. Again, Chad Helton, remember him from uh, Southern Cal? He yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wound up at Statesboro and got a W his first time out. If there's anyone who is not going to be awestruck going into Lincoln, Nebraska – where you know what they say when the when Nebraska's at home, that stadium is the second largest city in Nebraska. Right. Anyone who is not going to be awestruck by that, it's going to be Chad Helton, because he's been in much worse at USC. And then after, yeah, and then after them, it's Oklahoma, and then it's the meat of the of the Big Ten schedule. And really, the only team in there they got to go to Michigan, and that's in uh, late October. So this is real. So this is really going to be an interesting game when they play Georgia Georgia Southern. Now, I want to talk about last night's game between Georgia and Oregon, but I want to dovetail it because we had the uh, news that college football may expand. Well, will expand their playoffs to up to twelve yes. teams by two thousand twenty six or two thousand twenty four. Uh, Georgia was ranked number third. Oregon was ranked number eleventh, and the Ducks got tarred and feathered. I mean, it wasn't even a ball game. It was just absolutely one-sided, a one-side Georgia domination. This game probably took that argument for a 12-team playoff and ripped it to shreds. 
Because if here's Oregon going in at the 11th team, and they can't even give Georgia, they can't even give Georgia a good fight. What does that seem to indicate if we get into the later stages of this season, and other teams are clamoring to, uh, to get into to get into this tournament where they can't even hold a candle to Georgia? What is it, what is that telling you? Well, first of all, let me let me before you start, Leon. Um, it tells me that hey, we're in it for the money. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. But the fans, they don't care about the money. Well, they do care about the money. But the fans want to see a good game. And I think that's kind of the thing. Why are we, you know, even the fans know that you're going to get these teams. They clamor to get in. And then when they get in, they lay a big egg. So why are we even holding? I mean, it's... You kind of know where I'm getting at, right? Like, yes, yes, it stinks that that my team isn't um, getting invited to this postseason tournament. But when the team gets in, they get hammered. So it's like, okay, we should have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and a rotating member of someone else, Clemson maybe, or like I guess someone rotates. And then have that as your fourth team until someone proves that they can play with these guys on the big stage and do well. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, one day, let me tell you, John, one day, it may not be this year, it may not be next year, okay? But we're gonna see a big upset mm-hmm. that's gonna just shake the world up doing that. Right. You, you're gonna see it. But, you know, I, 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 was gonna, I was gonna use the words. Of a very wise man whom I happen to, you know what I'm saying, for the past couple of years I've been doing, you know, podcasts and the oh, commentary. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. College football has never been accused of having a soul, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to see but, great games. We want to see the top teams go at it in a national man. championship. We want to see great games. But we're only seeing it from Georgia, from Alabama, from Ohio State. Those are the only three teams we're seeing it from. Ohio State kind of comes and goes. Clemson kind of comes and goes. But the two consistents are Georgia and Alabama. And Alabama, right now Georgia's got the better the, the better edge on them. It's Georgia, then Alabama. And yeah. so right now yeah. that's what we have. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These people are thinking about that revenue, about that revenue retrieval. <laughs> yeah. Revenue recovery. Right. They're going to mess around and expand this thing 64 teams you know, so you keep playing with them. <laughs> yep. And uh, actually, actually, Leon, Daniel and I had a conversation uh, yesterday before the game, uh, Reinhardt and Bethel. Again, we'll talk about that game in a, in a little bit. And we basically said, yeah, it's going to be a 68-team playoff. You're going to get uh, Jackson State against the MEAC winner as the play-in game. You know, the play-in for the 16th seed to uh, meet Alabama in the first round. Not I wouldn't put a past these people. Yeah, sure. When it comes to his money and, 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 and trying to and trying to generate more of it. Yeah. But remember football football, it it has gotta be said, football is not basketball. You could have a playing six games in the course of three weeks. I mean you can have that. That's not, that's easy. Football you can't have that. If you're having a four a twelve team tournament, this thing's gonna take a month. If that, yeah, we're putting a lot of strain on these kids, and we saw it with the bowl games, where when they get yeah. to this point, at least they're seniors, they're more focused on their draft stock, and they don't want to do anything to jeopardize that draft stock. Now, the NIL money is helping a little bit, 
But unless you're a name player like Bryce Young, whatever NIL money you're going to get is going to be completely dwarfed by your pro contract. Right. Yes. You have you have basketball. I mean, like for example, within the NCAA tournament, you have a lot of these um, some of these top draft picks. Mm-hmm. They're not like for example when Andrew Wiggins was at Kansas X amount of years ago, right? Right. It's safe to say that he did not go that hard in the NCAA tournament. He he put it on cruise control. Well, again, he did he put it on cruise control. Yeah, he didn't want to get hurt. And he didn't want to jeopardize his uh, status as the number one pick. And you best believe that it's going to be like that. Time, um, it's going to be like that times ten within the college football playoffs. These kids, to a certain degree, it goes back to what another um, what, what, what my co-host said a while back. They're not majoring in um, in, in in psychology. They're, they're, they're not trying to get their NBA in college. They're trying to get their NBA NFL in college. Okay. Right. Right. And there are some. Pe- and there are some people. And what's the one thing? I mean, yeah. Well, and li- people give it lip service. You hear things from people saying, "Oh, I wish when I stayed. I wish when I was in school, I took it seriously, because you know, once. And let's be honest. The NFL is a meat grinder. Right. I mean, unless you're a quarterback or a skill player, your average career is four, five years if you're lucky. What are you going to do? Especially if you're a running back. Yeah. If you're a running back, you hit 30, you're done. You know, it's like, here's your AARP card with your 30th birthday. What are you going to do then? And that's what they harp on these kids. Make good decisions with your pocketbook for the eye to the future. And let's be honest, that's something that 20-year-olds are not historically good at. And let's use a Georgia example, a, a young man by the name of Todd Gurley, who put it on the line for Georgia. Yes. And hurt himself in a really sabotaged pro career. Yes, he had, well, he, yeah, he had that arthritic knee condition. And once he, once, he, once he hit 27, 26, he was done. He, his knees yep. wouldn't let him play. They were, the, they were old man knees. Yep. And so, what is he going? Okay. What is he going to do now? Okay. All right, Daniel's ready to jump in. I, I, I hear your point. And there are some things that I agree with. There are some things that I disagree with. I will say this: you can blame the NCAA for this. Here's why. What we, uh, it doesn't matter what we do. We didn't like the BCS. Mm-hmm. So what did we do? We got rid of the BCS. Yeah. I'm sorry, no. We didn't like the old traditional AP system in the USA. Yeah, we, 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 didn't we, like that we wanted to make sure, yeah, yeah. I see that. Because we didn't like that. So, no, go ahead. so we went to the BCS. Mm-hmm. Right. So we went to the BCS. We didn't like how to be and everything. So we went to a college football playoff. It's not enough teams now. Now we got to go to a 12-team playoff system. Let me tell you why this is going against everything. I'm okay with this. Okay? But here's the problem. Here's who has to extend this. It's because of me. Transfer portal. So now that you have a transfer portal, now it is giving other teams 
like a West Virginia to pick up somebody or a Nebraska or uh, a Syracuse out of the blue who could become really just by getting that one or two guys so they can get in the transfer for them. Okay? Now, it ups their knowledge. In the case of Ohio State, who lost two credible games last year but missed the playoffs, this gives them an opportunity to say, okay, they heated up at, at one point in time, got good, they beat a good Utah team, they blasted a good the Rose Bowl game. Yes, they lost to Michigan. Yes, they lost to Oregon. in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, what this is going to do for the Alabamas, the Georgias, and the Ohio State, all it's going to do is make it, it is going to make it a bit tougher for them because now they're going to get a chance to see the level of competition. Yes, they still got the SEC championship, but now you potentially have to face probably one of the best Big Ten teams in the country. You potentially have to face a big club thing that's hot and it beat you. So in in that light, yes. Now, John made a point about uh, uh, and I would agree with you and the players and and having to put a strain on and, and the tie girly situation. I I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. If didn't have a 16-team playoff, I would agree with that. Right. If the if the FCS did not have it, and they've had it for 20 some odd years now, mm-hmm. if they did not have it, I would agree with that point. Maybe this is a way for players to stay and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to get that next attention." If a if a top notch college player like the Bryce Young the same man who was in the Ohio State is going to say, you know what? I'm going to get ready for the league. I'm going to get ready for the draft. I'm not going to participate in the playoff. Fine. That's okay. You know why? The transfer portal is going to help them out anyway. Because they probably got their next backups. And he'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them didn't hear about like the Trayvon Henderson, who's just a sophomore. It's a big title game. Right. Right. Sitting in the bench. You got five star recruits sitting behind five star. You got five. Those quarterbacks, one of those two are leaving. They're going in the transfer court. People will say, they probably should have went to eight. Yeah, you're right. They probably should have went to eight. Should expand it no more. I think twelve teams is the cutoff route. Yeah, because, but, like you said, John, it's too many. It's, it's going to be too many weekends. Right. And then when we when we talk about, we always talk about the money issue. The worst thing about college football is the money issue with the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Especially these low these low tech bowl games. And, and what it's going to do if you like bowl games better? Tough luck. They're going to cut that. They're going to cut it out. They're going to cut out some of these little bowl games. 
Yeah, because the mid Yeah, the mid level teams going up against the mid level teams. You know, they're they're good games. Like I said, that's all I want. I don't want a route. I unless, right. of course my team is giving the route, then I don't care. But I'd be watching it anyway. I just want to see a good game. That's all I want yeah. to see. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that First four teams get the bye. You got five, 12, eight, nine, seven, ten, six, eleven. Yeah. Play each other. Okay. How they should do it is your automatic are your power five conference winners. ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, back, back twelve. Mm-hmm. Then the six automatic qualifiers should be, and because they should still play a part in this, should be. The highest ranked nine power conference champion. So if Georgia wins the Sun Belt and they are undefeated and they are ranked 16, mm-hmm. they get the automatic bid. And I don't care where you put them at, put them at 12. Let them go on the road, let them beat whoever they beat. That's right. Then you take the next, the ten best, the ten best teams who you think is supposed to get there. And if they get what, just like we saw Oklahoma beat, like uh, LSU beat Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. And for the national championship game, I think that, that year, and nobody else could compare to. Nobody. Right. Uh, a lot of people wanted to say that Oklahoma didn't belong in that game. Neither did Clemson. No, it's, a, it, it, it's clearly Georgia. Nobody believed really Alabama. Right. This is last year, right? Clearly Georgia, Alabama, and we knew that. We knew that. And they were in the club. No, they, Georgia had, was on the mission. Georgia won at Alabama. PC championship. Yeah. They won revenge. We know we're going to be able to get in the college football playoff. We're going to get whoever's in front of us, and then we're going to get the balance. To do. We're going to prove it. Yes, they did. Oh, no if, if, if somehow. I'm going to yeah. If somehow college football be, can become competitive, can become more competitive, and we can start seeing a little more parity, then this I could be a game. This could be a game. Because the oh yeah, yeah. Because as of right now, it's been pretty much. You know, one com- the, the, the one common face of success in college football has clearly been Alabama, which there, there, there needs to be change. Yes. And, yeah, it's got to be some change, man, because, you know, and I, I, I see where they're going with this 12 team, and, let's, and we can incorporate your idea to this um, possible cuisine game with, as with, the trans- with the transfer portal and taking in consideration that, yes, these players are looking at their financial features, so therefore that can kind of put a damper on the level of, on you know, just on the effort. Uh-huh. Of, you know, which can, you know, it kind of, it can kind of uh, affect the quality of play. 
And let's go back to what John was saying, you know, as far as, you know, people want to see a good game, you know. So I, I see where they're going with this, and hopefully this can be the answer to more parity in college football, a la the NFL. Because within the NFL, I don't know about you guys, but I just didn't see the Rams win the Super Bowl last year. I, I didn't predict that. I, I, just, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it happening. You know, so it's like, you know, if, if the NFL could get turned in, if the, um, if the NCAA could get turned into that, then whoever came up with the idea and the committee that voted upon it to, you know, bring it to fruition will look like a bunch of geniuses. You know, so that, that's my take on that. Okay. I'm John Morgan with uh, Leon Brown, Daniel Bolton here on the last three guys do a podcast going remote today as Daniel eagerly awaits Florida State and LSU. A reminder that if LSU does win that ball game, it will mean that the SEC will have swept all their games from this from week one. As it is, the SEC is 14 and 0 because Vanderbilt has played twice winning against Hawaii and Elon. But again, if LSU can win, they will have swept the uh, all their games and have gone 14 and 0, which was basically prove just how dominant this conference is. And LSU been the best team in the conference. That's that's interesting. That is true. LSU like the middle of the pack. And you know what? They're not even. I mean, when you're speaking of LSU, you're right, Leon, they're in the middle of the pack. They might even be at, towards the bottom, just how good the SEC is, you know? So it, it could be that as well. And not to mention, they're not even the second-best team in their division alone. That belongs to Texas A&M, mm-hmm. uh, a team, again, that a lot of people barely watch out for. Uh, this year, they have a chip on their shoulder. Remember, two years ago, a lot of people thought that they should have got in. See, another reason why this college football playoffs exists now. You got teams who got left out who lost one single game to another team, and they they got punished for it and get left out for it. You, you know, most times it was over a two, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's it's just a lot that plays with that. But again, this, 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 I think this is going to be a fun game tonight, guys. I I encourage that you watch it as well if you can. Um, and you know me, I'm, if I see a play that doesn't go right, I'm going to be screaming at the TV. That this is what I do when it comes to big state games, man. Like my wife, my wife has went to sleep on me numerous times, and I've had to kind of like be silent <laughs> if I see some things. So it, it's, it's going to be fun to watch, man. I'm just glad that football back in business. Oh, yes. That's yes, that's for sure. Yeah. And, of course, the NFL gets underway on Thursday. It's the Bills and the Rams from SoFi yep. Stadium. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, again, they went 2-1 and one in the preseason. And I know we really can't trust the preseason, but how much or how – I, I want to say how much or how little should we trust or should, should we look at Atlanta this season, but, man, they have $64 million, an NFL record, in dead cap space, meaning paid, given to players who are not on the roster. 
And you want to talk about a roster that is just that is just laying down with stone. That is it. I mean, it's no wonder that the that the roster can't bring anybody in. The Falcons have no money. It's all to players who aren't here. And that's why they got rid of that's one reason why they got rid of Matt Ryan. They wanted to get out from under that conf, that contract. What's it going to take for for Marcus Mayer to keep his job this year? Wins. Ten ten wins? At least. I don't even know if if it's that much or or if it's that little. I think the Falcons, I mean, you you got Desmond Ritter. You got him him on the cheap for a couple years. We'll see what, maybe toward the end of the year, we'll see what what he's capable of, how much he's learned from the offense. Yeah, you know, I, I looked at him in the, in, the, in the preseason, and man, you know what? He he understands it. He he's playing. First off, let's start with Robert Smith, okay? Uh-huh. And and Fontenot, and Terry Fontenot. What they're doing is something that they already know. Fontenot already knows. Okay, I got to get this money cleaned up. Okay, and so we can get some guys in. So let me get some guys in here who just wants to play. For less money, so and, and guess what? There's guys out there for that. And guess what? Atlanta looks like they found some guys for that, right? So now, when you look at then the case of, of Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith has changed the culture of that team, and you can tell just by three preseason games that team looks different. They look like they turned the corner a little bit. It used to be a, a finesse, I'm laughing, joking, ha 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 kind of thing. I don't see too many smiles on folks' faces on their sidelines now. No. Because Arthur Smith has put it in them. Look, we're not about this. Okay? If you don't want to come in, you don't want to play. If you don't want to play the win this, this game we call football, then you don't need to be out here. And that's why there are only 14 players left from the original regime. 14 players left from the original regime. And those do not include Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Arthur Smith has made he he has made it clear. I am not about I am not about to we are not about to be the last stock of the of the league. This is not about to happen. We need to get back to playing the Lions football, which got us back to the Super Bowl a couple of years back, and we got to finish the job. And he understands that. Now, that Marcus Mariota loves what he does. You know why? Because he is a winning quarterback. With all due respect to Matt Ryan, he's a running quarterback, and he can move the pocket. And that RPO, is, and, and everybody knows how tough it is to defend that run pass option. Mm-hmm. And he gives you that. And he understands the situation. I got a young stud behind me named Desmond Ritter, who actually showed out in the preseason. I have a stud behind me. I know that I need to step my game up because he can take my job. And Mariota knows, look, if I start this season off rough, my job could be going to him. But the thing is, he knows Arthur Smith's system. He's played in it. He's flourished in it. He understands it already. So, why not? I, I don't put too much pressure on the Falcons to win, okay? They just came off of a 7-10 and 10 season. And, they, of course, their roster has revamped. Yeah. But they still got some good talent. They got some good players on this roster that can make some things happen. I don't think they're a playoff team this year, but I think that they can make some runs and, and do what they did last year. They shocked everybody last year by winning seven games. 
Yes, he did. I don't think they're going to be. I don't. Think, I don't think they're going to be worse than that. Well, the schedule was much. The schedule was much easier last year. Schedule is. The schedule is a lot harder this season. You got to play a lot harder. You, you got the Chargers from the AFC West coming in. Uh, mm-hmm. You got. Oh, what is the? Um, shoot. I'm you got the AFC North. Yeah, the AFC so got the, North. the North. Okay, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Bengals. That's not going to be easy. Uh, you got the, and I think I, I want to say it's is it the NFC? Is it the it's the NFC West, isn't it? Yeah, it's the NFC West because they got that road trip from LA to Seattle that they're going to just stay out. They're going to stay on the West Coast for. Yeah. After the after the New Orleans game, now, I think now personally, I think the New Orleans game is winnable. I personally think that New Orleans game is winnable. Uh, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, remember they were the quarterbacks taking one two back in the back uh, back when they first came into the league. So there's a rivalry there, and Jameis is trying to resurrect his career. Marcus is trying to resurrect his career. It's at home, so you know I I kind of like the Falcons to sneaky pull an upset for that one, but after that. I don't, you know, I really don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. And but that's that's the beauty part uh, about football in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's so much parity in the NFL, and and it's it's so much. It, it's balanced. Yes, yes. You remember, and me, I you mentioned it earlier. You didn't have a win in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I can even bet I ain't had a baby going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Man, all that. Man, Man. You know, nobody had the baby. I, I think I had the baby finishing last in the AFC in the AFC North last year. Yes. And they they went way ahead of schedule. And said, you know what? I think we want to go to the Super Bowl this year and not wait two years. You know, and and now you have some of them as formidable favorites to get back to it. Uh, I don't think they will. I think they'll win the division. I don't think they'll get back to the to the dance. I think Buffalo's going to the Super Bowl this year. But uh, that's neither here. Well, that is here's my prediction. I think it'll be the Rams and Bills in the Super Bowl this year. Okay. Yes, the the game that's opening up Sunday Night Football will be the game that will finish last. Okay, that's an interesting. I think they'll be playing in uh, Tempe. Uh, February. Okay, that'll that's an interesting little observ. That's an interesting little nugget. Bills, yeah, Bills are good. Maybe they're the class of the AFC. I think Kansas City's going to have something to say about that. Even though the, the uh, Chiefs did lose Tyreek Hill, uh, the Raiders are up. The Raiders are good. Let's not count out Leon's Chargers. And yep. you know, and we'll take a look at the Ravens as well. How are the Ravens going to come back with Lamar Jackson? Uh, I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to win the South. That's pretty much easy. I don't see anyone else there. Uh, Derrick Henry is a force, but he's a running, uh, running backs can't do it by themselves. And Derrick Henry, as good as he is, he can't play defense. He doesn't play defense. Uh, and he's aging. He's aging by the day. By, by, by the way. Well, yeah, and he, is, and he is. Yeah, yes, he's there. Yes. Um, but again, he doesn't play defense, so I don't know how tennis if Tennessee's going to be able to withstand Indianapolis. Tennessee might be a wild card team, but that's the best they've got. Uh, again, Bengals and Ravens in the north. In the north, that's easy enough. Steelers there in rebuild mode. 
Browns are in rebuild mode. Actually, Browns are in who know Browns are in this really interesting limbo now that Deshaun Watson's status has been uh, adjudicated and he'll miss eleven games. So I don't know what I don't think we're gonna have to see anything with the Browns are with with the Browns this season. They're probably a year or two away. So yeah, I mean you look at it, I think the uh I kinda believe that the winner of the AFC is gonna come out of the West. Simply just because how good that that division is and how much they're gonna test each other, which will only prepare themselves for the uh for the postseason. I think three teams come out. I think three teams go to the playoffs out of the AFC West. I think you're not picking Denver. You're not picking Denver. I'm off. <laughs> I am picking Denver. I am picking Denver at the playoff team. Denver will go to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I am picking them. It will be Las Vegas that will be left out of the fold. Okay. It will be the Chargers. It will be the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos. And it will be so close. I, I wanted to stay off for a team who go, but I, I think – I think that the Ravens are going to have are going to be a little bit better than than the Raiders. I, I, I think, think the Ravens will be better than the Raiders. The, because of some because of the divisional games, and because somebody's got to lose those divisional games, it's going to put a big drag on the team's record for all four to get in. Yeah. And that's the other reason, and, and that's yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. I think if we're going to have a t- whoever is going to be left out. If that team was in any other division, they'd be in. No question. No question about that. Exactly. No question about yeah. that. I, th- I think that's the uh, Buffalo, Buffalo and, uh, and Indianapolis would be the lone representatives out of their division. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jets, uh, they just lost that Wilson. So yeah, Jets are, they, Jets are I don't know what's going to happen with the Jets. Yeah, Jets Miami could, could make some noise. Defensively, they're still good. But... Um, Two things about Leia, I think he's a good quarterback. I just don't think it's going to be enough. The uh, Ravens, yeah, they were playoff team last year, but again, it's that Ravens factor. But the Ravens factor is going to really kill it in the in the AFC West. It's Denver because Denver defensively was one of the one of the best defenses last year. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a quarterback. They got one. Yes. He's a two hundred and forty-five million dollar man now. His name is Russell Wilson. Right. He can still play. He can still play the quarterback position. So, if I had to pick my seven teams, it'll be Colts, Ravens, uh, the Ravens, Tennessee, the Legion, and then Kansas City, and then you have Denver and uh, Los Angeles. The right. Chargers. Yeah, exactly. The Chargers without question. We'll probably have one of the best records ever to not win the division. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah, put it right there. Well, we got about nine. Well, you know, and, and the Chargers, actually the first team to ever go 0-4, to start 0-4, make the playoffs, and win a game. And win a game. Right. Yep. Right. Well, we got about nine minutes left in our podcast for this week for this uh, episode, and what I want to do is I want to go back to college football because I know Daniel wants to talk about what happened yesterday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, up in Waleska, when the mm-hmm. Bethel Wildcats came in and knocked off the Reinhardt Eagles by a score of sixteen to eight, a game which featured a lot of offense in the first ten minutes where both teams marched down the field and scored on their opening possessions. And Reinhardt immediately went for a two-point conversion, got it, kind of surprised Bethel by doing so. 
and then Bethel, they had to answer and did not. And since that time, both teams, just their defenses came up and they played. They played lights out. But give Bethel credit, they got the points that they needed. They got a field goal in the middle of the third quarter. And then at the end, they were able to get that touchdown they needed to get the winning margin. Now, Reinhardt had a couple chances to win. They had a, they had a field goal by Reed Schwarzwasser. 27, 28 yards, it was no good, went wide right because of the laces, and Daniel will explain that in a minute. And they had the ball, third and goal at the one, two shots to get in, couldn't do it, stoned, Devin Collins was stoned at the line of scrimmage. But these two teams, they don't like each other, more so than anything. While Faulkner, there is a bit of grudging respect for Bethel, there is out and out dislike. They really don't like each other. And Bethel is 6-2 against Reinhardt with that victory. And remember last year, there was, the, uh, there was the, the police incident where a cheerleader accused a Reinhardt player of inappropriate touching. And that Reinhardt player was basically stuck, and I think it was Bethel, uh, stuck in Tennessee for, uh, for the weekend, arrested. And, the, mm-hmm. and I think that was that issue. We won't name the player, but... Uh, you know, it, it was a significant uh, issue, that complication that arose. Now, at the end of the game, when the teams came out onto the field for, you know, to congratulate each other, several skirmishes broke out amongst the players. Now, if you're a Reinhardt fan, you may recognize this name. The Roberts brothers, uh, Terrence and Torrance, twins, played with Reinhardt as running backs their first two years. Now, Terrence transferred to Bethel, and he had a very good game last week, last uh, yesterday. Very good game. His brother Torrance in attendance, but not playing. Now at this point, Torrance Roberts jumps into the jumps from the stands into the field of play to put to I guess to protect his brother's honor, and he starts mixing it up with with this. This was a good five ten minutes uh, of scuffling broke, breaking out amongst the two teams. And, I, and it surprised all of us. And, Daniel, I know you have some words on this. I do. First off, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. Bethel came in, and they played their hearts out. And they actually showed the I think they had a bit of a chip on the shoulder, John, because, and Leon, because they, they were ranked in the preseason. And they felt like they were a better football team. And they were like, listen, we're going to go up in the polls now. And you better respect them. They were ranked 25th coming in, so you know you, you have to respect what they do, mm-hmm. right? They, they have an outstanding defense. They defense they put out the Arkansas uh, Baptist. They ran up 77 points on the offense. And listen, you were like, oh, okay, they, they must be struggling. We don't know what's, what's going to happen. They're not going to put those kind of points up again. Reinhardt. Reinhardt's defense is respectable, and it, and it showed. Mm-hmm. The, the game was 16 to 8, right? Yep. And they were just beating. I get it, it's football. Yes. Uh, you are going up against one another man, and you're hitting, and you're hitting each other all game long. And you're going to take shots all game long. But about 70% of the plays, after those plays happened, there was jawing, there was pushing, there was shoving, there was swings, there were blows. There, there were all. And most, 
sugar. So with this pleasure of myself, I saw I get it. Mm-hmm. It's football. It, it's football. Right? This is a bias. But we don't have to make this sport more. What I mean by that is when the fans get involved in in this situation. And in this situation, the Roberts twin was a fan. Yes. And he jumped on the field and trying to attack any Reinhardt player that came at him. And honestly, these are guys that were his teammates last year. He was his teammates. And this is what this is what hurt me. Listen, I was so glad because I, I was I was wondering if my wife was gonna come and see the game and if my brother in law Melvin um, guy who listens to us frequently. Mm-hmm. I was wondering who was going to he was to come and support. What would have happened if family member was caught in the middle of that night? Yes. Tackle the kid. Exactly. The, the police had to come down and tackle this guy. Mm-hmm. Listen, this is this was I am not condoning this at all. This has got to stop. First, I think the worst brawl I have ever seen at the palace. That wasn't fun. That, that's when, when fake, that's when it becomes like, no, this is this isn't cool. No. This isn't right. No, it wasn't. This should, I don't know if there's any kind of repercussions that could be done because, listen, I think we went off the air right when the brawl started. Yes. So yes. there's no way. The NAIA or the AAC or the MSC to go back and say, okay, who do we suspend here? But I will say this these two teams should not play for the next five years. At least. At and least. Five years. the gap, that's how bad it was. You are you are messing with the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. The sportsmanship of the game. They came and they shook hands and then everything just broke loose. And and that's not how we do it here. That's not how it's supposed to go in the sport. When I was in my early 20s, it was all, I think we were all in our 20s. We were like, oh, man, they're fighting. Yeah, 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 this is good. You get older now, and, and you don't want really to see that. No, no, definitely. Because now, because now, now charges can be pressed. Yes, and I think charges will, I think charges charges will be pressed. All- because uh, Mr. Bill Pop, who used to be uh, Reinhardt Athletic Director, and now he's the commissioner of the Appalachian Athletic Conference, he was there. He saw the whole thing, so I'm sure he'll have a report, and I'm sure there'll be a conference call on Tuesday. And the about commissioner this. of the AAC was there. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make it so bad, the commissioner of the AAC was there. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, but we've we got we to gotta clean that up. That you have to do better, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to get control of that situation at hand. I suggest that neither one of those things, because obviously this had to stem from the last year, from what you said, John. This yeah. had to stem from last year. Um, Reinhardt looked different. They looked like they were they wanted revenge, regardless. Mm-hmm. But those two teams should not play each other for a long time. Right. Right. But getting back to the field of play, 
Uh, next week's game against Cumberland. Cumberland Phoenix come to town. Uh, Reinhardt's offense and looked out of sync to me. It wasn't working. Uh, Navari Solomon and Hunter Arters do not have that connection that he had with Billy Hall. And they got to work. And he overthrew him like he did last year. Yeah. They, but, like but, he was last year. But, Sol, but Solomon and Hall, uh, Solomon and Arters are just not clicking. Uh, they had one one reception for for to Solomon for a touchdown that went 70 yards. But, again, he was overthrown. Uh, several just uh, – there were some times where he tried to force it to him. And they just – in the times where, where Navarre Solomon got open – and he just couldn't get it to him. Reinhardt had to try to had a couple of trick plays. They had a flea flicker that they that they uh, used that they couldn't uh, connect on on a long pass where it seemed like if he had just run the ball, he would have gotten the first down. Uh, it just mm-hmm. it just seems like what they need to do is stop trying so hard, and that maybe if you see something in front of you that's gonna work, do it. Don't try to force the next end of it. And that's what it seems like they need they need to do. They need to kind of get back to basics a little bit. And hopefully next week against Cumberland, we'll see that. Also, uh, we're running out of time here. Daniel's got to get going to get his tailgate going for FSU, LSU. Want to quick mention the Pace Academy Knights going 0-3 in their matchup against Greater Atlanta Christian. A 3-0. I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. 3-0. 3-0. I'm sorry. 3-0. Ugh. Going up against Greater Atlanta Christian and shutting the Spartans out 31 to nothing. They wanted one of these games that uh, the where the drama gets taken out early, and it did. Terrence Keel scores three times, three different ways. Kickoff return, pass play, and a rush. And they're looking really good. They were ranked ninth in the latest AJC poll, uh, sixth in the, in the Georgia Public Broadcasting. That's probably going to go up. They start region play this Friday night against Lovett over at Walsh Field on the Riverview Athletic Complex down in, in Mableton. I mean, they looked really good on Friday night. They really did, man. I, I was so impressed with them. Uh, they look like a dangerous team in a very tough – they're in a very tough classification in 4A. They've got some studs in 4A. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're going to be just fine in the region. Uh, they're going to be a couple of games that – you know, that, that would be kind of questionable. I think the Luella matchup is, is a scary matchup for me. Right. But, listen, they, they're going on the road and without Christian Johnson, their bell tower at running back, mm-hmm. to winning these games like they are. Of course, the first game, uh, they had Ronald Dutton kick a game with a field goal. The yeah. second game, uh, they had a set party at the end of the game with Trayvon Bach uh, leading the way. And then this game, it was just pure, uh, pure defensive effort, and the offense looked like it's clicking. So, business. Listen, I'm liking what Nick, I'm liking the culture that Nick Bot is 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 starting to bring here mm-hmm. to Pace Academy. And if you, I, I talked to one of the coaches, one of the assistants, and they were saying that they love what he's doing for the community. Well, that's great. You know what he represents. So that's a great thing for Nick. Of course, he had some tough shoes to fill. You, you know, you take over for Chris Lane, but he's going to do it. He's going to get it done. He knows Georgia. He's coached down here in Georgia. So right. he's getting it done. And what better way to keep, keep your momentum going is against the rivals, against Love It. Yep. So 
We'll see. And, and it's good to be home again, right? Oh yes, good. It's definitely yeah. good for good for that. And they've been gone a long time. Uh, first home game of the year. Hopefully, everyone will can get out to Walsh Field, and if not, they can watch the game on NFHS Network. Daniel and I will have that call for you this coming Friday at 7:30, and of course, the three of us will be re will reconnect on Saturday on the roof of the Ken White Fieldhouse press box as the Cumberland Phoenix come to town. That's going to be a 12 o'clock start. We'll be on the air at 11.50. So for Daniel and Leon, Daniel's going to go check out his Seminoles. We'll see you next week on the last three guys to do a podcast. Appreciate all your support. Uh, again, we're available whenever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, all of them. So mash that like button. And we'll see you next week on the last three guys to do a podcast. Good night, everybody.